and probably looks like where where are they filming from so we're on the edge of the sanctuary um, the back part of the sanctuary there it'll all look different next time uh, of course we'll see Sunday what we need to do but um, um, I think we can start having services here and then uh, the contractor thinks that by the end of next week pretty much everything will be done and then of course we have things to do we've got to put back all the storage places and all of that stuff but um, but we're here right and so we've got one air conditioning unit working right now and the other one will be working um, before too long and um, uh, and so it does sound just a little echoey which is not a bad thing but um, once we get all the chairs in here and people in here you know it'll it'll uh, take care of that for the most part I think so um, and having a little natural reverb is never a bad thing anyway so from a sound perspective um, and so um, I don't know if there's uh, Probably next week we'll we'll start uh, moving in for sure, and uh, let everybody know if they got some time to come and help uh, uh, put the sanctuary back together. So we're just going to use the folding chairs today and probably on Sunday. Uh, that way, the, there's probably still going to be some construction dust uh, getting stirred up, so uh, we won't get the good chairs, cloth chairs out until um, everything gets settled down. So probably next Sunday we'll have all the regular chairs back over here. So. Um, let's see, I think um, we're on Facebook, so we've got internet, so hello all the Facebook world there. And um, um, let's see, and I was going to let you know too, so, so um, Sunday, um, uh, let's see, uh, um, Pastor Michael, um, let me get this information there from him. Uh, so, so we, of course, we've been there to church there before, right? Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, Pastor Michael Linden from Hickson, Tennessee. So he's got a church down in Hickson, which, of course, is uh, on the north side of uh, Chattanooga, not too far from here. Uh, and we've been there several times for different services. Uh, he has Mark Hankins come there uh, at least once or twice a year. And uh, we were there. Becky Haas was down there about a month ago. Uh, just talking about kind of things you can do in your community and we're going to start implementing some of those things once things settle down here I think uh, but on on Sunday he's going to start some special services from Sunday night um, to um, Friday night so each night at 7 p.m. from Sunday to Friday so that it gets that six services there um, he's got an evangelist um, and I don't have his name in front of me here um, but he's going to be teaching evangelism for the whole week and um, this fellow's uh, really he's got a great uh, team uh, for evangelism in fact uh, although he started in the services on Sunday night uh, his team has been in Hickson for two weeks um, every every day two weeks and they've been training the people in the church about how to do door-to-door -door evangelism and different things uh, they've set up billboards uh, they there was uh, I think the J103 radio station had like a festival and they set up a booth there um, and um, uh, they've been going out handing out food and praying for people uh, and all of it's kind of under the, uh, the the guidance of this team and so they've been training all the people in the church they have like training sessions in the church about evangelism and things and so really kind of getting everything set up and it really kind of reminds me of um, uh, Charles Finney anybody read much after Charles Finney so Charles Finney was a was a great evangelist back in the 1800s I think 1700s 1800s and uh, just a, a great man of prayer and um, uh, he started out as a lawyer 
and you know as a lawyer back in that day it was kind of required that you went to a local church because that's you know you had to be a respectable citizen and so he would attend a church and uh before he really got on fire from the lord and became an evangelist one night they were asking him you know they asked for prayer requests and they said uh, uh mr finney do you have any prayer requests and and he said well he said i do he said but None of y'all ever get your prayers answered, so it doesn't do any good if I tell you my prayer requests. And so, <laughs> so he was real upfront about all that. Uh, and then, uh, of course, later on, he, he kind of, I guess he got saved because uh, I don't think he was actually saved before then. And then, um, uh, then he started learning how to pray, so he started evangelizing. And what he would do is he would go um, into a city, and before he went there, he had a fellow that worked with him called Father Nash, uh, his name was Daniel Nash, and uh, just great prayer warriors. And they'd go into a city seven days before the meeting started and just pray, just uh, fast and pray, uh, in, intercede for the city prior to Charles Finney coming. And it got to such a point where when Charles would come into a, a town, they would shut down the movie theaters and different things, you know, uh, bars, and, and not because uh, they respected him, but because they had no business. And so nobody's coming to, to drink or nobody's coming to the theaters then no need to have them open. So they would just shut the whole town down and he would evangelize and he was just a, an amazing evangelist. Uh, and he made one comment about prayer and talking to the Lord. He said uh, that he would get uh, such a burden to pray and he told the Lord one time, he said, I hope that thou dost not think that I can be denied. I come with thy faithful promises in my hand and I cannot be denied. And he had such a, such a um, realization of the faith of God that uh, he knew that if he prayed, the Lord was going to answer him in the affirmative right so not just well he answered but he answered no that's not how that's not how god operates right uh, and so it kind of reminds me of, of that where they've gone in for two weeks ahead of the services so that, you know you think about all the expense of that and all the time and the people to do that um and just uh um, getting everything ready for the services on sunday night so um uh, i'm going to go sunday night and uh, uh and so if you're interested in going let me know uh, like I said, it's, it's down at Hickson from here. It's about, uh, what, 35 minutes or so uh, from the church here. Um, and so you can let me know between now and Sunday. If you're interested in going, we can get you the details. And, of course, you're welcome to ride down there with us, too, if you want to. Um, and, uh, uh, of course, we won't go Wednesday night, but um, uh, but we'll go down as much as we can. And because um, I, I told the pastor I've been looking for an evangelist to, to bring to our church, right, because... You know, there's fivefold ministry gifts and the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And uh, my desire is to expose the church to all of the ministry gifts, right? So uh, we've had teachers come in. You know, uh, Miss Marilyn's really a teacher. Uh, we've even had other pastors come in uh, when, um, uh, of course, he's, he's pastoring now. Uh, Michael Waite uh, is a pastor, but when he was traveling for a while, he'd come in and minister for us. And he was a pastor before he was traveling. And then he worked for Dr. Dufresne for many years. And then he went back to pastoring, and so he was a pastor coming to us. And then, um, of course, uh, Dr. Fran came a couple of times, and, and he was really a prophet of the Lord. But toward the end of his ministry, he was really operating from the standpoint of an apostle. And then uh, Brother Randy stands in the office of the prophet. Um, and so, really, we've had other people that uh, have been evangelists, uh, but uh, it needs to be a good fit, you know, uh, with us as a church, and, uh, of course, me as the pastor. And... Um, and I don't want to—I uh, don't want to take anything from any of the people that have come here before, but um, uh, but it ha hasn't really been a good fit uh, for what I was looking for for an evangelist because 
inside the church when we're here you know the purpose of the evangelist is to instruct and to teach you all about how to uh, evangelize right uh, so it's not about uh, trying to get you saved you all are already saved right so inside the church the evangelist has a little bit different ministry than outside the church uh, and so really um, of course an evangelist is an evangelist right they're always trying to win everybody no matter what you know and try to encourage people and exhort people to press into the Lord. So all of those are wrapped up in the ministry of the evangelist, as well as uh, praying for the sick and signs and wonders, and as we see from uh, the examples in the Word of God, from like Philip the evangelist. Uh, and so, so it's, a, uh, it's a good thing, right? It should impart into us a greater desire to win the lost. Not that we don't have a desire to win the lost, but just you know, uh, both the practical and the inspirational part, right? To encourage us to do that. But also, here's how to do it, right? Here's how to strike up a conversation. Here's how to, uh, to pray for people. And so, so the pastor's excited. I talked to him yesterday, and um, uh, they're getting everything ready, getting some more chairs. And um, uh, so it, they should be some really good services. So, uh, and I'm hoping if it works out, you know, that may be something that we can do either in partnership with, with him and have the, the, uh, the team maybe do a week there and then a week here or something like that. And... Um, uh, and so, because uh, all of those things would be good, right? Uh, um, we never want to be just happy with, with the people that we have in our church, not that we are, uh, but uh, we don't want to just uh, come to church and that's all we ever do to advance the kingdom of heaven is come to church, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and so a lot of those things, I remember years ago, we used to see a, an evangelist, he's a pastor now, but, uh, you know, he'd get done and you want to, preached to a stump you know he just uh, was really a good exhorter about uh, getting us to evangelize the world and so um so those services start sunday p.m at, at 7 p.m and uh each night until friday uh also at 7 p.m so no day services that i'm aware of and so um uh, they should be good so um all right any other questions about the building so i think we'll still be here on sunday right and then um of course on sunday you know we may have to find a little bit may have to move the sound booth a little bit that way get some more chairs in here right so but we'll figure it out it's just a thing right so everybody doing okay <laughs> so um but we'll, it'll be nice to get back into uh into the church right so uh well why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight so father we thank you for the word of god and father we thank you for blessing us each and every day Father, we thank you for the value of your word. That's the foundation of all that we believe, all that we know about you, Father. We thank you for the spirit of God that reveals and instructs and teaches us. Father, we, we yield to him as our teacher, Father. We yield to him as the greater one that's on the inside of us uh, through his power and, and by his spirit, Father. Uh, we fulfill your word and plan for our lives. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We'll get started there tonight. So, uh, of course, we've been <clears throat> teaching in Philippians here for a while. And um, we, we kind of got through the, the, the verses here, verses uh, 5 uh, through 8, uh, Philippians chapter 2, talking about let this mind be in you, and the whole goal was for Jesus to complete the will of God. And having completed the will of God, and at the end of verse 8, it says, even the death of the cross so Jesus came to fulfill the will of God, and part of the will of God was for him to die on the cross. And, and um, of course, uh, uh, the nice thing about that is that's something that you and I won't have to do, right? Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes we want to replace the work of Jesus with our works, right? Sometimes we do something wrong, 
and instead of repenting and receiving forgiveness, we want to keep that punishment to ourselves, right? So whatever, if we've opened up the door to the devil and we've been sick uh, uh, because of our own actions and we realize that sometimes we kind of have a mentality of, well, I'll just, you know, I made my bed hard. I'm going to lie in it. You know, I've done this to myself. I brought this upon myself. And so this is just my lot in life to bear. And that's really a very low faith statement, right? It's a statement of very low faith because it's a statement that says the work of Jesus was not sufficient to cover my sins. It was sufficient to cover their sins and their sins and their sins, but it's not sufficient to cover my sins. And so it's a very uh, low, sta- low, low uh, faith standpoint, amen? Uh, people of great faith will, you know, they will recognize their sin. They will recognize what they've done wrong. They'll do the repentance, and then they'll move on with the Lord. Amen. And it takes faith to do that because your emotions want to punish yourself. Your emotions want to keep you in a box, keep you, you know, uh, in, um, uh, in whatever situation that you're in and not move past that. Uh, and, um, you know, the, uh, of course, I usually use this story in conjunction with healing, but uh, it, it fits in this situation. But uh, years ago, we had gone to, um, we had gone to Florida on vacation with some friends and um, uh, so when we got there, uh, we went out to eat, you know, and um, about halfway through the meal, uh, my oldest daughter and I started feeling kind of, you know, not right, you know. And, and so I was like, well, whatever we ate, you know, didn't agree with us, right? Uh, now, I know people that doesn't, don't agree with me sometimes, but this was food, right? And so, so she and I headed back to the hotel. Everybody else stayed there, and she and I headed back to the hotel. And... Um, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to believe God and get over this thing. And, and um, uh, well, I made it to the hotel, but she didn't make it, right? So everything she ate, you know, went in the wrong direction. And, uh, and then we had a car to clean up after that. Uh, and then we finally get back to the hotel. And, and I, off and on, all night long, you know, I was in and out, you know, of uh, the bathroom and, and removing all the stuff that was not, uh, not uh, uh, working well with me, right? And so... Uh, and then so the next day, you know, I was a little puny, you know, it kind of passed through. But then, you know, after spending all night, you know, putting your face where it doesn't belong, uh, you know, you're just a little puny, right? And so you kind of, you know, so about the second or th- uh, third day after that, I was, I was kind of back to normal. And, um, uh, and, you know, nobody died and everything was fine. And so, um, so we went on the rest of the week and then, and then we went to, uh, went back home. And about two weeks after being back home, we went out to eat after church like we normally did, and um, uh, about an hour after that, that same rumbling that I had just a couple weeks before, you know, came up, you know, and I started, uh, started feeling that, that would, you know, that how your stomach starts churning, you know, and you start having that little bit of nauseous feeling, and you know, if nothing changes, everything that I ate, you know, an hour ago is all going to come back up in the wrong direction again, and, um, uh, and so, you know, I just went to a, a room in the church just by myself, and I started talking to the Lord about it. I said, you know, Lord, I know you're my healer. You know, I, I've never questioned him being my healer. Uh, I didn't grow up in church. You know, I wasn't told that he's not my healer. So I didn't have to unlearn anything. Uh, the first time someone said that God is our healer, I was like, okay, sounds good to me, right? Uh, I mean, a good God, wouldn't he heal you? And so it made perfect sense to me that a good God would heal you. So it was never really a, a, a difficult thing for me to believe God for healing. Uh, you know, some people do struggle with that, and I understand that. You know, it takes a lot of years sometimes to get their minds renewed, that, yes, God loves them enough that, they'll heal, that he'll heal them. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't in that situation. Uh, but I started talking to the Lord. I said, you know, Lord, I know you're my healer. Uh, but 
you know, if nothing changes, if, if we stay on this road, you know what's going to happen, right? I'm going to lose all this food. And, and, and you know, it, it's not like I was going to die or anything, but, um, but he's my healer. So, you know, I'm trying to find out what the deal is. And um, I said, you know, why, why, wasn't, why did I get healed in Florida? Because I didn't ask him about it after the fact. I just kind of went on, you know, but now it's kind of an important deal, right? So I didn't get healed in Florida. So I need to find out if there was something going on that's going to keep me from getting healed today. Uh, and so it's never good, it never hurts to ask the Lord, amen? Uh, the only problem with asking the Lord is he may answer you, right? He will. He said he would, right? But, you know, you have to be willing to hear his voice. Uh, and so, you know, I said, um, I said, you know, what's the deal? Is something going on? Uh, and uh, he said, yeah. He said, uh, and this is what he said. He said, the reason why you weren't healed in Florida is because of the condition of your heart. And he showed me my heart. You know, sometimes, you know, you feel like you're, uh, that uh, you're here and the Lord's a thousand miles away, right? Well, that wasn't where I was at, right? The Lord showed me that he was here and my heart was just like right there, right? Just, it wasn't like it's really far off, but it was enough far off that it was wrong, amen? So wrong is still wrong, amen? Uh, and, and he said, he said, your problem was you wanted me to heal you in Florida so that you could get the glory of being a great man of faith in Florida. And, and that's kind of harsh, right? Uh, I mean, it's still true, right? Whether, whether it's harsh or not, but it's still true. And I look back and, you know, I kind of, you know, sometimes it's not like you write it down. Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get all the glory for it, right? Nobody writes that down. Nobody has that plan, right? But, you know, sometimes in your heart you think, well, you know, I get healed. If I get healed, then I kind of brag to my friends about, you know, look how spiritual I am. And, and you know, you don't really quite say it that way, but, you know, you don't, you really got to deal with your heart, right? You always got to make sure that your heart is, is right in these matters and, and stay in line. In fact, I think on Sunday we're going to be talking about a pure heart, and we're going to go into uh, some detail on that, uh, hopefully. Um, and so the Lord showed me that, you know, my heart was just a little off because I wanted his glory, right? And he, and he won't share his glory, right? He will not share his glory. So now, what do I what do? I do? You know, I, I could have stopped right there and said, well, I'm just a terrible person, right? I guess I, guess I just can't get healed. I guess the Lord's not going to heal me because I'm a terrible person. Now, I could have done that, but that's a waste of time, right? Uh, uh, and that also shows such little regard for the great work that Jesus did. Did he die for us? Did he shed blood that was of value, immeasurable, that was so, so valuable that it could cover all the sins of all humanity for all time? And, and so how is my one little sin, because it's a sin, right? It's a sin to desire glory that doesn't belong to you. Uh, how is my one little sin going to be greater than the blood of Jesus? Amen. Uh, and so, so what are you going to do in those situations? Are you going to just roll over and, and, just, and just tough it out? And Well, you know, uh, well, no, I mean, th that would be dumb. I mean, that, you know, you've got access to all of his blessings of the Lord if you follow his plan, and, but you've got to be willing to follow the plan, right? You've got to be willing to do that. You've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to get to that point. Uh, and in this case, the only thing that it took to get there was to repent. I mean, there's, you know, I couldn't earn it, right? I go, well, Lord, if I go do 20 push-ups or, you know, I go give $100 or somebody with that... That wouldn't have, that's the wrong thing, right? Now, I do know people who, because of their uh, personality, whatever, when they do wrong, they try to make it up to you by, by earning, it, earning you back, right? Instead of just repenting, they try to earn your favor back. It's like, well, you don't, you don't earn it, just, just do right. You'll have the favor if you just do right, you know, but sometimes, well, I don't know how to do right, but I can earn it. I'll go and say three Hail Marys, or I'll go and preach to somebody, or I'll go you know, give an extra, you know, dollar in the offering, or, you know, whatever the deal is, sometimes we try to earn our way to heaven. 
and there's no earning your way. You, you already start at 100%. Amen. You don't, you don't start at zero and work your way up. You start at 100%, and if you mess up, you work your way down. Amen. Now, some people keep working their way down through nearly 0%, but that's on them. That's not on the Lord. He's not withholding from them. Their own actions are withholding from them. And so instead of, instead of just staying there and accepting, you know, that sickness as, as uh, uh, my lot in life to bear, my punishment for my sins, uh, which is foolish, I just repented. Said, "Well, Lord, then, then I need to repent. I need to apologize to you and repent for, for having a, a, an evil heart, right? Having a heart that desired your glory. Because, and we all know that. We all know that He's the only one worthy to be worshipped, right? Uh, and and that's one reason why, on a regular basis, just from my, in my own prayer time, I remind myself I am not worthy to be worshipped. Uh, and even after all those times saying it, you know, you're still easy to sneak up, right? If we, I mean, if we, if tomorrow we had 500 people here at the church." You know how much temptation there would be in all of us to think that we're somebody? To think that, you know, to think that, wow, we, we must be the best church in all of, all of Ray County or all of Tennessee, right? Uh, now, the Lord is not going to withhold his blessings from us for potential future sins, right? He doesn't work that way. He always blesses us where he can, and then we have to deal with receiving that blessings in, in humility, right? Uh, so he's not going to be a lot. I'm not going to give him that because they'll just waste it. That's not really how the Lord operates. You know, he'll give it to him and then see what, and then, then sees what he, they're going to do with it. Amen. I mean, he didn't know Adam was going to fall. You know, if he didn't put the, the, the tree there, Adam would have never fallen, right? Uh, and so if he hadn't given Adam the dominion over the earth, Adam would have never given that to the devil. And so he could have said, well, you're going to give it to the devil anyway, so I'm just not going to give it to you. Now, he knows all those things, doesn't he? And yet in his great wisdom... He still will allow us the blessings of, of, his, of, of his kindness. And then we get to choose how we respond to those blessings. Amen. Now, we're not always that way, right? We often are, are like, they ain't going to do any good with it anyway, so I'm just not going to give it to them. Uh, and, and you should be careful about uh, judging somebody before they make a mistake. Amen. Because that's not the way the Lord operates. He only, he only judges you for things that you actually have done, right? Not things that you might do. Uh, and he knows whether you're going to do it or not. We don't know that. He does. And so he still doesn't operate that way. So, you know, so I, I, I repented. Amen. Uh, and and uh, said, Lord, you know, um, I was wrong. 100% wrong. Uh, and, and the thing is, I didn't bring anybody else in it. Well, you know, it was their fault. You know, that, you know, I wasn't feeling good. And so, you know, just, you know, I don't ever make any excuse for my actions when I, when I sin and, and talk to the Lord about it. I just, Lord, I, I did it, you know. Because anything else is, is unnecessary and a lie, right? If I say it really wasn't my fault or I couldn't help it or it was their fault or none of those things are true, you've got to own it, amen? True repentance is you own your own sin. You, well, Lord, I did it. Nobody made me do it. I did it. Um, because you're the one getting forgiveness, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so instead, of, instead of holding back, you know, and, and allowing myself to stay in that position, I used faith and said, well, Lord, then, then I repent, amen, uh, with no strings attached. And, well, Lord, you know, if you, if you heal me now, I'll repent. You know, that would be dumb, right, because then you're acting like the Lord owes you something. Well, the Lord doesn't owe me anything, amen. Uh, and so, uh, but after I repented, you know, I just, I just waited on the Lord for just not even a, a hardly a few minutes, not even probably that long. And then I talked to the Lord, said, Lord, will we good? You know, that warm fuzzy, you know, kind of, you know, you just know the Spirit of God is there and, and uh, you know, we're good. Uh, and I said, all right then, Lord, then I'm the healed of God and I rebuke this sickness in Jesus' name. 
uh, and uh, without any, you know, I can't wait to tell everybody, all my friends, you know, and look at me, I'm so spiritual. And, uh, but, you know, in that, my heart was fine, right? In that moment, my heart was right. And then all that sickness just all melted away, just dissolved, and it never, you know, nothing happened. Everything was fine. I kept all the, the lunch down, uh, and um, all was well, amen. So, uh, so you know, we, we've got to make sure that, that, uh, uh, that because of the work of Jesus, that he chose to do that, that we take great advantage of that blessing, amen? So many times Christians will not take advantage of the blessings that belong to them. They'll leave them on the shelf. They'll feel unworthy to access them. They'll feel like, you know, who are they? Or they feel like whatever they've done wrong makes them unqualified for that. And, and, you know, it is true that if you sin, you are unqualified to receive some of the blessings of the Lord. But all you have to do is qualify yourself by repenting, amen? You don't qualify yourself by earning anything. You qualify yourself by removing any roadblock between you and the Lord. And the only roadblocks between you and the Lord in the New Testament is sin. It's not your name, not your education, not whatever, whatever. It's only the only roadblock between you and the Lord in the New Testament is sin. It, it's sin that you've committed in the moment, right, right now. Not, you know, before you got saved or, you know, remember, remember Paul, before he got saved, he, he put people in prison, stood by as the people stoned uh, uh, Stephen, right? Uh, and he said because of that, he was the least of all the apostles. And at other times he says, I'm the greatest of the apostles because I work more than all of them. So, you know, I don't know if he had to work a little bit on humility or not, but, um, uh, but, but Paul, even though he recognized that he had done wrong, uh, in all of his epistles, except for, except for one, he said, Paul, the apostle of the Lord Jesus, called of God. You know, he had no problem saying who he was, even though he had done terrible things to the church of the Lord Jesus to whom he was called, but he moved on from that. And you've got to be able to move on from your sin, Amen. That doesn't mean that, you, that it's, it wasn't important. That doesn't mean that you, know, that, uh, you shouldn't make it right, whatever you did. Sometimes the Lord will have you make restitution to other people. If you've harmed other people, you may have to go and apologize. You may have to restore whatever you've done. That's between you and the Lord, right? Because there's nothing really in the, in the Word of God that says, if you, in the Old Testament, there's plenty of things, right? If you, if you lose somebody's hammer, you've got to go buy them a new hammer, right? If you kill their ox, you've got to get, get them another ox, right? I mean, there's a lot of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, right? Uh, but uh, I'm glad we don't live that way because if we lived that way, there'd be a lot of toothless, blind people running around, right? Uh, and so, but you find out from the Lord what he would have you to do. If it's beyond repent, you always repent, right? That's, that's a given. You always repent, but then there may be things that you've got to do beyond that to make things right, right? I mean, because sometimes we are so unkind to people, the Lord may say, you go and apologize to that person, right? Now, apologies are not the same thing as repentance. Repentance is between you and the Lord, right? Repentance is changing directions. But apologizing to somebody may be helpful to them, right? It's between you and them, amen? Uh, and so, and really, uh, you know, when you're going to somebody, you, you really should go always with the attitude of repentance to repent to them, to tell them I've changed course and direction. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then an apology, you know, there's no really biblical uh, uh, instructions about apologizing, right? Because apologizing is not repentance. It's not forgiveness. It's just an emotional uh, request that may be necessary uh, that you do as, as the Spirit of God would direct you. Repenting is just changing, changing direction, right? Repent means to change direction. So, um, so you always repent, amen? Uh, now, a person of faith can do that, amen? Sometimes we're low in faith and we don't know how to repent or we won't repent. Uh, uh, and sometimes, you know, we get stiff-necked and then, you know, we're going to, 
you know, I'm never repenting. Well, that's different, right? But uh, sometimes we don't repent because we just feel unworthy. But is God condemning you? You know, did God condemn you? In fact, turn over to, to 1 John chapter 3. And again, this is talking about the heart here. Uh, he said in verse, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure or encourage our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. So, uh, and he said, verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. So one of the ways that oftentimes in Christians' life, the reason why they have no confidence with God, you know, Charles Finney had confidence with God. You know, I hope you don't think that, that you can deny my requests. I come to you with your faithful promises and I cannot be denied. That's confidence, right? Uh, lack of confidence, oh, I, you know, uh, can I get some? I'm sorry, but I'll just forget it. You know, just, just never mind. Right? You ever had people do that to you, right? Hey, can I, it's, I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to bother you, right? Uh, well, a lot of times, uh, the reason why we have such low confidence with the Lord is because of our sin. Sin will always destroy your confidence with the Lord. Uh, and you've got to ask yourself, you know, do you feel confident, because he said in Hebrews, to come boldly to the throne of grace. See, do you feel confident or do you feel like you're just unworthy, right? You know, I just, I, I can't do it. See, that's your heart condemning you, right? That's not the Lord condemning you. Does the Lord condemn anybody? What does Romans 8, 1 say? There is therefore now no what? Condemnation, right? Uh, and so the Lord never condemns us, but our heart can condemn us. And so one of the things we'll look at on Sunday is, you know, generally speaking, uh, many people in the charismatic and Pentecostal world will tell you that your heart is your spirit. It's not really accurate, right? So we need to find out exactly what the heart is. And that's why I want to spend some time on that on Sunday as we go through the Beatitudes, because he said the pure in heart shall see God. So it's kind of important to know what your heart is, because if your heart's your spirit, then your spirit's condemning you. Well, how can your spirit condemn you if it's made in the image and likeness of God and sealed by the Holy Ghost, right? So, so uh, and that would then tend you to, to have less confidence in your spirit, man. No, you should always have great confidence in your spirit, man, because it's made in the image and likeness of God, born again, sealed by the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption, right? And it has the Spirit of God living inside of it. And so your heart, your spirit, man, can't condemn you, but your heart can condemn you. And so if your heart condemns you, then you lack confidence with the Lord. You'll never feel confident enough to even repent and if you don't repent that sin stays there right that sin will stay there now you'll go to heaven but you'll lack all the blessings of the lord between now and then whatever blessings the lord has for you as long as that sin stays in your life and you you, you, you can't repent you won't repent you don't know how to repent you know whatever the issue is because of lack of of confidence then whatever the ramifications of that sin will stay there in your life, right? And of course, sin and death go together. So ultimately, sin's always trying to kill you, just like every German virus on the earth trying to kill you. Uh, and uh, now, you could live a long life on this earth, but you could live a life with no power, right? One, one definition of death in the New Testament is being without power. So you know, how many people live a long life, but they never, the Lord never blesses them? But it's not on the Lord's side, right? He's already done it. He said as soon as death occurs... We get the inheritance, right? That's the way the inheritance works. So if Jesus died, then we have his inheritance, amen? So it's not like he's withholding from us. It already belongs to us, but it's, he's unable to transfer it to us as we have need of it because of our, our hang-ups, amen? And so uh, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than your hearts and knows all things. And, and this verse has brought a lot of confidence to me because in the, in the times 
when my heart condemns me, and sometimes it has, right? Um, then I, I'll still muster up the strength of the Lord. You know, I, I feel so unworthy to come to you because my heart has condemned me. I feel like I'm just not, not even, you know, you just, not that I, I never feel unsaved, but just feel unworthy, right? Just feel like you've let him down and, and disappointed him. Uh, and I know in one, spec, one respect, we can never disappoint the Lord because he already knows all, all things, right? Disappointment is when somebody does something that you didn't expect them to do. Well, the Lord already knows all the things that we're going to do, so he's never disappointed in us, which is nice, right? But it's not because we're such great people. It's because he already knows that we're going to do well or not do well. Amen? Uh, and so if your heart condemns you, see, then, then you, you, you could get stuck. And you'll never come boldly to the throne of grace. And because you said you come boldly to the throne of grace, that, that uh, you might obtain mercy, which is what you need when you need to repent, right? Uh, and to obtain grace in time of need. So uh, the mercy part is what you need when you've sinned, right? But if you can't come boldly because of your condemnation, then you can get stuck. And a lot of Christians get stuck. And you'll see that they'll be wonderful people all the days of their life, moral people, kind people. But they may not go to church. They may not pray. They may not read their Bible much. You know, they just, they have, you know, their, their kind of, you know, card that says they're, they're Christians on the way to heaven, but th they don't live a life of faith uh, and that's not to condemn them or to, to say bad things about them it's it's because uh, their own hearts have condemned them so far that that uh, they don't feel qualified to come to the lord and it really shows a lack of faith on their part that because if they really understood the blood of jesus they'd come boldly all the time you know now and i know people you know people i'm sure too that man they'll sin on saturday night and they'll come to church and raise their hands on sunday morning Oh, Lord, you're so wonderful, you know. Saturday night, they'll live like a heathen. I mean, just like heathen. They'll come on Sunday morning and repent. Uh, and they'll do that all their life, you know. And, and, and the Lord will forgive them. Uh, well, I wouldn't forgive them. Well, I'm glad that position's not for hire because, you know, uh, he's greater than all of us. Amen. Now, that person will never really grow and mature because they're sin one day, repent, sin and repent, sin up and down, up and down, you know. So they're never progressing. They're just kind of staying where they're at. Just, you know, up one day, down the next, up, you know, so... They need to really grow up in those things, but at least they have enough faith to go to the Lord and to repent, amen? So, I, you know, I'd encourage you, when, when Jesus, let's go back then to Philippians chapter 2, you know, it's an area that, that uh, is a real stronghold in some people's lives that uh, their whole lives will get shipwrecked because they don't know how to, to go to the Lord and repent. And it's really an act of faith, right? You've got to have faith that Jesus did really die for me because he went to the cross, Amen. It was a great price that he paid for us. And, you know, people say, well, you're just preaching uh, that they can live however they want to. Well, we all live however we want to, right? Don't you live exactly how you want to? I'm not living how I want to. That's not you living exactly how you want to, right? You're as mean as you want to. You're as happy as you want to, right? I mean, that's however you want to be is how you are. Amen. Uh, anybody got a gun to your head? Say, you know, you'll be mean tomorrow. You know, or you'll be nice tomorrow. Nobody's making you do that. That's just who you are today. Amen. And so... Uh, so, we're, you know, uh, to me, that's not, that's not a, a license to sin. It's a license to live right. Because if you understand that as long as you live right, all the blessings of the Lord belong to you. Right now, today, right? In this life, uh, on this earth, all the blessings of the Lord belong to you. Uh, if you sin, then you, then you frustrate the grace of God to help you in that area of your life, right? It may be a big area. It might be a small area. You know, that's between you and the Lord, how big or small it is. Um, and there's no particular limits, you know, I don't, you know, well, this sin's worse than that sin. You know, in the church, we always like to list sins that are, you know, this sin's really, really bad. This sin's not so bad. 
And the reason why we have the list is because we're using these over here. You know, everybody else is doing these sins over here, so we want to make those bad and make our sins really small, right? That way, we're not in quite so much trouble, amen? But no, all sin is wrong, amen? Uh, and so, uh, there are sins that will cause more difficulty in your life because you're affecting other people, right? And if you're affecting other people, then, you know, the Lord has a special place in his heart for the innocent. And you go harm the innocent, and, and the Lord's not happy with that. So, you know, I understand that there can be more ramifications for you, but sin is sin, amen? All sin is missing the mark. All sin will drive towards death if it can. So let's have faith in the death of the Lord Jesus. And I think that's an area of the, where the church is not taught enough faith about. You need to have confidence in the blood of Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, that when you do sin, because you will always sin. If you're breathing air between now and your last breath, I can guarantee you that one time at least you're going to miss the mark with the Lord. Not because you're mad, not because you say something that's unkind, not because you just, you know, pitch a fit. I mean, you know, it's not always you robbed a bank and you, and, you, and you stole money from your grandma, you know. I mean, those are terrible things, but, you know, it could just be you said an unkind word to your spouse or you, you know, you ate one extra donut when you should have, you know. And the Lord said, well, stop it, stop at 12. And you ate 13, right? And, and more than likely he'll tell you to stop before 12. But, uh, but you know, whatever it is, amen. Now, you're not hurting anybody but yourself and your own heart and, and you know, whatever, but... Um, but if the Lord says to, to not do that, then you shouldn't do it, amen? And so, uh, so let's have confidence in that. And, and so the result of all of that, verses 5 through 8 then, after he did all that, then the result of that, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So here's the thing that, that um, if we can have confidence in this verse, that because of, of what Jesus did, Right? He said, let this mind be also in you. Right, We spent a lot of time going through verse 5 through 8. And, and let this mind be in you. The end of it was, I did whatever the Lord wanted me to do. At great cost to my personal benefit, to my personal life, I, at great cost, I did what the Lord told me to do. And the result of that, the blessing of that, is the Lord exalted him. Right, And he said that he exalted him, highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. So here, here's where often the church... Uh, has a hard time in believing that the Lord does what he says he's going to do. Will he bless you if you're obedient? Uh, do you believe that? Now, I know, we, I know by law we're required to say yes, but do you believe that, right? Do you believe that if I obey, no matter, what the, no matter how much it hurts, no matter, what it do, no matter what it costs me, do I believe the Lord will bless me if I follow his will? Whatever his will is, right? Move or stay. You know, sometimes just as much the will of God for you to stay as it is for you to go, right? A lot of people, oh, I gotta go. Well, you know, maybe you should stay, right? Uh, and, and, you know, we've had a lot of people come and go in the church, you know, and, uh, and you know, a lot of folks, I don't even, uh, I don't, you know, go to Lord and find out about it, you know. But, uh, you know, occasionally, you know, I sense in my heart that they left before they should have, right? Not everybody, and so, you know, I don't, I'm not mad at anybody. Uh, everyone that's ever left could come back tomorrow, and I'd be fine. Hey, good to see you, right? I, I wouldn't say, oh, about time you showed up, you know. You know, unless the Lord told me to say that, but I, I find it hard to believe that he would tell me to do that. Uh, and so, you know, for some people, um, they had to go, not because it was the will of God for them to go, but because they, they couldn't do what their flesh wanted them to do here, right? And, and again, that's not everybody. It's a small fraction, small percentage of people that ever left. Uh, in fact, um, there was one fellow, he came to my office, and uh, he said, I want to talk to you. I'm like, all right. You know, I would encourage you. You do whatever you want to, but I would encourage you. If you're going to come and tell me how sorry I am, 
you know, don't do it five minutes before service. That's really disrespectful. Do it after the service, right? Of course, I'd be careful about doing after service because the Spirit of God's really strong. You know, it's really hard for me to put up with, with, with flesh, right? Uh, and uh, so, you know, you pick your own battle, right? You pick the time, and, you know. Don't send me a note, you know, just, I mean, don't kick the dog on the way out, right? You do whatever you want to, none of my business, but, you know, just remember, someday you're going to stand before the Lord, right? We all get to stand before the Lord, and whatever you say, he's going to bring it back up, right? So if you're disrespectful, you know, the Lord's going to remember that, right? And so I, I wish no way will. In fact, everybody's ever left that was unkind. I always pray for them, right? Lord, bless them, increase them. Don't hold anything to their account that they've ever done to me or to this ministry. Uh, and I, I'm sincere about that. I, I wish no ill against anybody who's ever left the, the church and ministry. Um, and so, uh, but he came into my office and said, he said, your vision is wrong. You know, I, I would encourage you, don't start with that, right? Because my vision is to reach the lost. It, it, is that wrong in any universe? And the way, that I, the way that the Lord has instructed me to do that is to teach the church faith. So if I'm teaching you faith, and, and that helps you win the lost, how, how is that wrong? In what universe is that wrong? Uh, and so, I said, your vision's all wrong, you know. And I'm glad, you know, I said, uh, that's funny, because the Lord gave me that vision, you know, and so um, it seemed like you should talk to him about it. I mean, you know, I'm just a messenger boy, right? And so he went on to tell me all these things are wrong, you know. He said, he said it was wrong that, you know, that we use books, that we use books to, to uh, go by in healing school. That's just wrong. So you shouldn't read any book except the Bible? No. Really? So why did the Lord have all these ministers go before us that spent decades learning things by the Spirit of God to put them down in a written form so that we could learn them in hours instead of decades? Is all that's wrong? Oh, yeah, it's all wrong. So there's no, no need for Bible schools or you know, uh, seminaries. or All those are wrong. Just got to get it straight from God. Everything straight from God. Nothing I've learned, you know, from anybody, I've learned it all myself. That is just not true. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you could at least listen to Brother Hagen, and Lester Summerall, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Smith Wiggles. I mean, you won't find a dime's worth of difference in my, the my doctrine and any of their doctrines. Uh, T.L. Osborne, I mean, all these great men and women of God, you know, uh, uh, Mary Woodsworth Etter, you know, there may be minor points here and there that we might differ upon, but, I mean, as far as the Spirit of God and, you know, the, the big things, we're going to agree nearly 100%, right? Uh, and, and the reason why that is true, because I've studied these people over the years and saw what worked for them and saw, you know, their revelation and lined it up with the Word of God. It goes, yeah, that's exactly what the Word says. And so why wouldn't I follow them? I mean, uh, because nothing they say is going to add to the Word of God. It's going to reveal the Word of God. And so it's really, uh, I can't imagine in what universe that I would think I can learn nothing from anybody. Just me and God. Well, I mean, Paul got it from the Lord, but he was pretty unique, right? I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and then that was it. So everything we get's got to come from somebody else, amen? Uh, and, and so, but he just went on and on about this. You know, you're just wrong. Uh, and, of course, then he said that, um, he said, uh, he said that I, I'm an idol worshiper because uh, 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 <clears throat> I idolize Kenneth Hagin. Uh, <laughs> really, he said, you mentioned his name more than Jesus. More than name. I said, really? Are you counting? Have you got an account somewhere? You got, you know, how many tick marks did it, you know? Uh, I mean, like tick, you know, you got two columns, Jesus and, and Brother Hagin. You know, but there's Jesus, you know. Uh, what about the Lord? Does that count? Or, or just only Jesus? What about the Christ? 
what about the son of the living God or son of man? Any, any other names of Jesus? Just Jesus, right? I don't know what the, is there a rule? I don't know what the rule is, right? And uh, I said, you really think that I love, I love Kenneth Hagin more than Jesus? Oh, yeah. Like, have we ever met? I mean, like, like, like are we just like the first time we've ever met? There's no way. I mean, I, I love Brother Hagin and his ministry, but he's just a man, right? He died. You know, he's in heaven now. He's just a man, amen? Uh, and, and I highly respect his doctrine, but, you know, I mean, to elevate to the Lord Jesus? He didn't die for me. He didn't send any blood for me. You know, I mean, there's just, it's not even in the same universe, right? Uh, and so, um, it's like, is there any particular doctrine that I've mentioned from Brother Hagin that you don't like? I mean, the authority of the believer, the name of Jesus, you know, uh, the precious blood of Jesus. I mean, anything in particular, spiritual gifts, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of, Brother Hagin had such a wide uh, breadth of doctrine, you know, that he taught. Anything in particular, right? Of course, there's nothing in particular, but I said, so I can't mention his name. No, well, what about Lester Shamrock? Can I mention his name? Because didn't I already mention his name tonight, right? T.L. Osborne, uh, Lester Shamrall, uh, you know, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, Mary Woodward's editor, you know. Well, you know, it's, it's just Brother Hagin. And, and um, I said, so, so I'm, I'm, I mentioned his name too much? Yeah. I said, well, okay. So, because so, then I know how legalistic people work, right? So I said, well, how many times are too many? So, you know, he's got them, because that's what legalistic people do, right? There's a limit. I said, I, I said, if I'd mention him once a, once a, once a, 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 a message, is that too many? No, that's okay. So now he's going to be like the, like, the, like the accountant of name dropping, right? You drop the name too many times. <laughs> and and so, so now I know I got it. Because if he said one is, one is okay, so then there's a limit somewhere, right? So I went, you know, five, ten, you know, fifteen. Oh, fifteen's it. Yeah, fifteen's too many times. I have never... Well, unless I'm telling a story from Brother Hagin, mentioned his name 15 times in a service, right? Uh, and, and, I, and so I knew I got him. I said, so where'd you get that from? Why not 14? Why not 16? Why is 15 the number? Who gave you that number? Is the number in the Bible somewhere that thou shalt not mention anybody's name more than 15 times in a service? I mean, it's, it's, so, it's, just, it's just sad, right? I mean, I was going to say pathetic, but it's really not pathetic. It's just sad that, that people think they're so God that they, that they hold the position of God of the church that they can dictate to anybody how they should operate. And you don't preach the word enough. I don't preach the word enough. You don't preach the word enough. That's all I preach is the word. You know, I mean, how, how many uh, Andy Griffith stories do I tell or, you know, uh, uh, stories or whatever? I mean, you know, everything's around the word. How many Bible verses do we go through in one service sometimes? You know, I mean, sometimes Jerry, I can't tell you how many times he comes to me after service. You need to slow down. Too many verses. I can't write them all down. Uh, and and um, you don't teach the word enough. Really? Yeah, you don't teach the word enough. Wow, man. I said, have you, uh, you know, and I should have asked him questions. You've been to churches that teach the word? Oh, yeah. A lot more churches preach the word more than you do. Really? Wow. I, I should go to that church, you know, because I love the word, right? And, and they teach it more than I do. I mean, you know, go to. And so all of that to say, I looked at him and said, look, I said, I'm going to try to help you. I said, normally I don't do this. Normally I just let you say your, say your, say, you know, whatever you want to say and let you go on. So I just sense that I'm going to give you the opportunity to let me help you. I said, what I would encourage you to do is stay here uh, and to learn to listen with a humble heart and to find your place as a servant of the, of the Most High God uh, and to stay in the ministry that God has called you to uh, and not leave because there, there's no doctrine that he said that I was wrong. 
it just my vision was wrong, and I mentioned Kenneth Hagin's name too much. That was it. it was, that's really pathetic. It's really very, I mean, and, and of course, you know, he, he, you know, was kind of a simple-minded person. I don't mean that in a, in a terrible way, but somebody else had put him up to all this because he kept saying these things. I said, you know, you that sounds just like so-and-so because I knew he was doing it. I said, that sounds just like so-and-so. I mentioned her name. And every time he'd say something, I said, that sounds exactly like so-and-so. And he knew he was caught, right? Because he knew he was just, you know, he was just being an echo of somebody else. And that's a terrible way to live, right? Don't be an echo of somebody else. Be you. Be who God called you to be. If you're going to have a disagreement with somebody, be a man about it and, and, and talk to them as an adult, right? Don't come in and just start accusing them and tell them terrible things, you know? Say, hey, you know, I've got a problem with this. So let's talk about it. Because if, if you say, I've got a problem with, with you reading somebody else's book, well, give me book, chapter, and verse for that. You got a book, chapter, and verse that said, thou shalt not read a book by anybody else in the world other than the Bible? I mean... No there's, no, there's no such book like that. And so there's no verse like that. So, you know, I, I said, here's what I would encourage you to do. Stay here until you work this out in your heart. Because I believe it was not the will of God for him to leave. Now, other people have left him, you know. I let him go, right? But, um, and, and he couldn't stay. He, he, he had worked himself up so much in his emotional life that he just couldn't stay. And what you'll find is, if you would do those hard things when it's hard to stay, but you know you're supposed to stay and you do stay, you'll find that you'll grow more in those times than if you just flesh out and just leave all the time, right? Whatever it is. And, and, and I know, you know, from personal experience, you've heard my stories that I stayed. When, when it was so hard to stay with my pastor, I stayed. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be, and you know, you may not even think much about me, but I know where I am today, just spiritually in my relationship with the Lord. Uh, I wouldn't be anywhere where I am today if it wasn't for staying all those years because uh, it, was, it was not easy, amen? But because the will of God was more important to me than in any comfort that I had in my own life, I found a way to stay, amen? Uh, and so, so all of those things, you know, uh, go back to uh, with the Lord Jesus uh, that uh, where it says, wherefore God hath highly, hath highly exalted him and he highly exalted him because he was willing to do what the Lord asked him to do, regardless of the cost, right? Financially, you know, whatever. You know, Jesus was the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he lived a simple life, right? Uh, and everybody thinks, well, we should all live like Jesus. Well, I mean, that'd be great. Jesus had a staff of 12 that he paid all their, all their expenses for and took care of them financially, took care of them with their materially, right? Because they quit their jobs, didn't they? So where were they going to get their money from? Well, they had to get it from the ministry, right? Jesus had to take care of them. He's not going to uh, have you work for him and not take care of you, that would be disrespectful, right? That, would be, that, that, that wouldn't be like God, right? Uh, and so, because Jesus did his, the will of God, and the Lord highly exalted him, so why wouldn't the 12 apostles uh, uh, do the will of God and the Lord take care of them? That's what he told Peter in, in Mark chapter 10, right? That if you give up anything for my sake and the gospel's sake, in this life, you shall have a hundredfold. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, this word which says highly exalted, this is the only time that this verse, that this word was ever used because highly exalted is actually one word in the Greek uh, and it's unique to Jesus. So when God highly exalted Jesus, I know we're going to talk about uh, being exalted in other ways, but nobody will ever get exalted like Jesus was exalted. This is the only time this verse was ever used in the New Testament and it only relates to the position of Jesus, right? As, as the work that he did. Uh, and, and it means to exalt to the highest rank and power, raised to supreme majesty. Uh, and so uh, uh, 
the, the root word is to exalt and, the, and over. So exalt over. It, so that's why it says highly exalt, but it really means to exalt over. So it doesn't matter, because you know, like I said, we're going to look at, at some other places like, like we can be exalted, and the Lord just does desire to exalt us. But no matter how, how, how high we are exalted, Jesus will always be exalted over that, right? So, you know, when you're kids, you're like, you know, uh, you know, a million, you know, 10 million, a billion. And then one said infinity, right? And of course, the other one says infinity plus one. So no matter what you say, it's always plus one, right? So if it's always plus one, it's always higher, right? Uh, anybody ever play that game? You ever played play that? Y'all look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> wow, you know. Uh, did anybody grow up with any, any brothers or sisters at all, right? <laughs> so, um, so no matter how high we are exalted, Jesus is always above us, right? So highly exalted is unique to Jesus. So, uh, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, we talked about humility not long ago in church. You know, humility is staying in your position, right? Now, if you're highly exalted, that's still a position, right? You can be humble and be highly exalted, right? Not, not like Jesus, but still be exalted because that's your position, amen? Uh, but see, sometimes uh, you get like Lucifer, See, he was ex highly exalted, right? He was exalted. He was the, the anointed cherub. The only other created being other than human beings that we've ever had record of that was anointed other than humans was Lucifer. And yet it still wasn't enough for him. See, he was exalted, but he wanted to be highly exalted, right? I will exalt my throne above the, the throne of the Most High God. And that, that's the exact word he used, I will exalt. So even though he was exalted, he, he, as far as we can tell, had one of the highest rank, maybe the highest created being rank in all of creation at that point in time, uh, and, and still wasn't good enough. You know, there's people who just, some, it's just never good enough, right? doesn't matter where they're at, they want your job, right? Uh, it, you know, and um, I know when, uh, when Dr. Dufresne, he was a pastor for many years before the, the Lord had him go to the field ministry, and he had a church like a thousand people in Denver. He said uh, when he started a church that was right at the, the wave of the charismatic renewal, and he said, easiest thing in the world to get a thousand people in a church back then, right? Uh, and, uh, and so he said, one guy came up to him and said, he said, I could be a better pastor than you. Uh, you know, that's, that's, see, that's somebody who's not humble. Because whether that's true or not, who's the pastor of the church? Well, Dr. Dufresne was a pastor of the church, right? And so, of course, Dr. Dufresne was not one to, to, uh, to coddle up with sin, he said, well, maybe that's true. He said, the differences between me and you is I'm called to be the pastor and you're not. Goodbye. <laughs> and so, so, you see, that's the difference. The calling, now you may be able to technically be a better pastor than somebody, right? I mean, some of you think you, uh, I don't know if you think that, but some of you could be a better pastor than me. You may know more than I do. You may be able to put sermons better than I, better than I can. I mean, I had somebody say, you know, to me when I, when I was ministering, uh, they would come up and say, well, you know, so-and-so, they don't ever use notes. Uh, implying that I'm wrong for using notes. You know how many notes I got in my book? I mean, just, I've got 37 pages in the book of Philippians here, and we're not even close to being done, right, the book of Philippians. Uh, and and um, I'm a note guy, right? And, and uh, you know, I've always been comfortable in my calling. That's who I am. I mean, if you look at how I do all my Bible studies, you know, most people just, they just pass out, right? I mean, just, I, I got this, you know, I've got, you know, I've got uh, my, my, I've got a database of, of uh, 4.5 million Bible verses, you know, collected over the years and spent thousands of hours putting this together. Uh, and uh, and we'll spend thousands of hours before I go home to be with the Lord. I get, you know, by the time I go, I may have 100 million verses from different translations over the years. And I study all those, you know, I mean, not depth, but, you know, I look at them and, and that's me. And that's okay, right? It's okay to be me. 
You don't have to be me, but I'm me. And I'm okay being me. And they say, well, you know, so-and-so, they don't use notes. Okay. So, is that is there a law against notes, right? Remember, remember Paul told, uh, I don't remember who he told, but he told somebody, bring, he, said, he said, bring my cloak, bring the parchments, but especially the scrolls. So Paul had notes, right? Uh, even Paul, the great apostle, had, had parchment notes, you know, and things like that. And so, it doesn't, you know, you don't want to preach notes? Fine, you know, I don't care. It, it's, you know, I got no, I, I have never, I never think about, well, they're not using notes, so they're not nearly as good as I am. To me, that's, that's irrelevant. What's your, call, what's your lane? If you're, a lane? if you're in the no, note lane, praise God, stay in the no note lane. No, no problem with that at all, right? I'm in the note lane. You don't like that? Why is that a thing? I mean, why, why, does that bother you that I use notes? Anybody in here bother you? I don't like your notes. I mean, I don't read my notes just verbatim, right? I mean, do you guys just, well, it says right here, the Lord always got his people are here. Anyway, the man can be bothered. I mean, sometimes I read a quote or two, but I'm not reading my notes. You know, I got them there for, for reference and uh, I mean, most of what I say, you know, in a service, I'm, you know, is not directly from my notes. Um, all the whole, the whole First John three, you know, the, none of that was my notes, right? Uh, and so, you know, we, we will go with the flow as, as the, the the Lord instructs us. But uh, and one one time, somebody, said, you know, so and so, they don't wear a tie. You know, they, they don't wear. Actually, I'm not wearing a tie tonight. There's, I, uh, well, I'll tell you later. But uh, you know, <laughs> normally I wear a tie. I didn't have a tie tonight, so you know, no no big deal, right? Uh, and so I, I had a tie, but uh, I'll tell you later. It'll be a funny story someday. You know, it's not a funny story right now. Uh, and so <laughs> now you're like, now you can't think about nothing else the rest of the night. What's he talking about? You know. Uh, and so, um, so, so Jesus was highly exalted, right? Uh, and so, are we okay with that? See, uh, uh, if Jesus was, do you want his job? See, humility always says, man, I'm glad. I'm glad you got that job. I, I'm right here today. I'm glad you got that job. See, prideful people is like, I want your job. You're not worthy of it. I'm, I'm more qualified for your job than you are. You know, even if that's true, even if the Lord had it designed that someday you would have that job, that is a very prideful thing to say and do, right? Uh, and, um, and I've had people tell me I'm a terrible pastor, you know, I'm not running the church right. And I, it's like, well, go start your own church, you know? I mean, you know, how many empty buildings are in Dayton right now? I mean, you know, a uh, hundred bucks down, down, uh, uh, down payment, you know, Whatever, you can get your own building, right? Uh, and, uh, I mean, I wish no, no ill to anybody, but I just can't imagine talking to a pastor or anybody, even if I didn't like him, the way people have, have talked to me over the years, you know. As, and I don't say that like my feelings are hurt. I say that as, I just can't imagine doing that. You know what I'm saying? I would just walk out the door and not say nothing, you know. And just, you know, when we left our church, uh, we were there for 20 years. The Lord says, it's time to go. We called the, the, my pastor had been gone from the Lord, uh, gone to the Lord for about five months then. We called the pastor's wife, said, hey, uh, we're, not, we're not coming back to church. Well, you mad? No. You don't like how something's being run? No. Did somebody say something you don't like? No. Why are you leaving? It's just time to go. That's all I said. I didn't run him down. I didn't say, and look, I mean, there was, uh, uh, I was on the board and there were things that were completely illegal being done. And I called him out on it. I said, well, that's, you can't do that. Now, and I, you know, as a board member, I, you know, I should say those things, right? But once I left, I didn't say nothing, none of my business, right? I didn't say how you're running the church is wrong, because that's not why I left. I left because the Lord said it was time to go. And so, you know, but I can't imagine, you know, I just can't imagine doing the things that people, that I've seen people do, to both to my pastor. I remember one time I was just walking through the, 
church heading to the sanctuary, and this fellow that had been in the church there for a long time was just bawling my pastor out. And I didn't like that at all. You know, I, you know, flesh started to rise up. You know, how dare you? He said, you treat me like a bastard. That's what he said. You treat me like a bastard, you know. And I'm like, this man, my pastor had given him so many chances to minister from his pulpit and, and blessed him and, and financially and materially in, in so many different ways. And just to say that, was so untrue. But, you know, he, he, he thought he should be the associate pastor or whatever. I don't know, you know. Uh, one person told my pastor, uh, said, uh, the Lord said that if you don't give this church to my husband, you're going to die. Now, can you imagine saying that? You think the Lord would prophesy that to somebody? Because first of all, you know, my opinion is the pastor answers the Lord and the Lord's well able to take care of that, right? And if there's something going on that you need to know, because, you know, your sheep, you got the Holy Ghost. If there's something that, that I'm doing wrong, he'll tell you, right? I believe he'd tell you. And I believe he'd probably tell you either come confront me privately or just leave the church. But to say that, in what scenario would, would, would the Lord tell you to usurp the authority of the pastor? Because he didn't say there's anything like sin or, or rebellion or anything. Just, I want your church. You've already got it set up so nice and neat. You've already renovated every, all the buildings, you know. I don't want to do any work. You've got to give it to my, to my husband. I mean, that's, that's really bold right there. I mean, I, I can't imagine saying that. And, and it's just, and I don't have a thus said the Lord about this, but years later, I mean, this is like 20 years later, my pastor died uh, in April of 2007. The woman that prophesied that died in January 2007. And are they connected? I don't know. But that's, you know, that's really serious thing to say. You know, that's really a serious thing to say, thus said the Lord. And you go to Jeremiah, he talks about prophets who say, thus said the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. Uh, and, and, and I can guarantee you the Lord didn't say that. You know, there's no way, no scenario in the world. I don't have a thus said the Lord. That's just walking around sense that the Lord would never say, tell the sheep to go tell the pastor to give the church to her, her husband. Why didn't he go be a man and, and go tell the pastor that, right? Uh, and so to me it sounds like a Miriam and Aaron thing. Well, the Lord speaks to us, too. Remember what we, we read? They said that, and the, and the Bible says, and the Lord heard them. Very ominous phrase, right? And the Lord heard them, right? Of course, he hears everything, but, but when he's, the way it's written, it's like, whoa, you know, you hear this silence right after that. And then the Lord dealt with Miriam and Aaron after that, right? And so the Lord has highly exalted Jesus. We will never be that high. And so we should be okay with that, right? Uh, see, sometimes in the world, people are like, well, you know, it's not fair Jesus was in it. But sometimes even in a church, there, there is, there's jealousy and envy about people having positions. Well, I'm sh I should have that position. Uh, it's sometimes even the pastor, but not, not just the pastor, but, you know, door greeter or sound man or singer or whatever it is. And, you know, there's a lot of competition in church, and there should never be any competition in church. Uh, you know, if you've got gifts and talents and you want them to be used, you know, go to the pastor and say, hey, you know, is there any way I can help in this area? Yeah, I got no problem with that, right? Uh, but, um, you know, sometimes people will usurp authority even those things, right? Uh, you know, I, I, my opinion is that 95, probably 99% of, of church people are just wonderful people who love the Lord. You get the 1% and they're always trying to stir up something, right? But you spend 99% of your energy on the 1% of people always trying to stir up stuff, right? And so it's unfortunate, but uh, so Jesus was highly exalted. So uh, can we be exalted? Well, we can be, right? And we're, we're going to look at some scriptures about that and what it means to be exalted. 
But just know that Jesus was exalted like no one will ever else be exalted. Amen? We will never be on equal footing with Jesus. Uh, in that regards, right? Now, we're going to look at, uh, we're out of time today, but we're going to look at how in some ways we are equal with Jesus. Right now, we are equal with Jesus, right? We're not divine. Uh, we're not the head of the church. But in many ways, we are equal with Jesus. The Word of God says that. And we're going to look and see what the Word of God says. Um, but I just want to encourage you in this area, uh, when we start talking about being exalted, you know, we should all, it's not that we're pursuing being exalted because the exalting, being exalted is not a goal. Right? The goal is to do the will of God. The fruit of that is to be exalted. Amen? What happens a lot of times is people pursue the being exalted without it being a fruit of their, of their life, right? Uh, and so, well, I think I should have that job. Well, why? What have you done that would qualify you for that job, right? Uh, and, and speaking to Brother Hagan, you know, he talked about how uh, he would travel when he was a traveling minister. Uh, he said people come up to him all the time and say, uh, Brother Hagan, he said, uh, uh, let me know if you hear of any big churches coming open because I want to pastor a big church. Well, see, they weren't willing to pastor a small church in order to make it become a big church. They just wanted a big church, so they wanted to just hand it over to them with no work, right? And he's like, there's no way. You know, he, uh, you know how many of those people he called back? Like zero, right? He never called, it, called, called them back, right? Because they're not willing to do the work, Amen. So exalted, what we'll find is being exalted, just like Jesus, right? He had, had this mind he knew that it was also in Christ and that he, he made himself obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So he did the hard work, right? He did the work of obedience to the Lord. And the fruit of that was the Lord exalted him, amen? So in your life, uh, you know, don't ever pursue being exalted. Pursue doing the will of God. The fruit of that will, he'll, he'll give you the kingdom, right? He'll give you everything. But if you pursue the kingdom, I want all the stuff of God, you're unqualified, right? The only, the only way to get the stuff is to go through the path of obedience, right? One thing we say around here a lot is, is all the blessings of God are on the backside of obedience, right? So you, you obey God, and then he blesses you as a fruit of that, amen? And of course, the first obedience is to receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior, right? That's the first big step of obedience, and, that, and that's, 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 uh, should be commended, right? Uh, and so... So we want to talk a little bit about how um, uh, we're going to talk also about how Jesus was exalted, but also about us being exalted, because it's it's an area that there's there's just a lot of ah, there's a lot of lot of uh, uh, showmanship in the church and a lot of jockeying for position, and none of those things are of value in the church, right? We're all servants of God, Amen. Um, and if and, and you know the nice thing about being a pastor of this church is you all have great hearts and attitudes. There's nobody jockeying for position, you know, you know, but people will come and go, right? And we'll have on occasion, we'll get somebody once come in and they want my job, you know, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not sitting there on the, on the pulpit like this, like this is mine. Nobody can ever have it, but I'm called to be here. As long as I'm called to be here, I'm here, right? And if you think you can do a better job than I can, that may be true, but doesn't, I'm called, right? And so you'll have to talk to the Lord about that. Amen. Uh, and, and, and I'm okay with that. And, and, 99% of the people will always be okay with that. Probably 99.5% of the people are okay with that, right? You get a few uh, folks every now and then. So that one, that one fellow I tried to help, I said, let me try to help you. I couldn't help him. And, it, you know, and, and like I said, I, I'm not mad, at, but it really breaks my heart that when I, when I sincerely look at somebody and say, here's what the Word of God says. Here's how I can help you. And they just step on it and cast it aside. They're not stepping on me casting me aside they're stepping on the lord jesus and the call of god i'm called to be the pastor right so they're just kicking the the position that the head of the church the lord jesus put in this town in this church 
like, like it's nothing. Right? And again, I don't take it personal because it's, it's not a reflection on me. It's a reflection on them and their relationship with Jesus. Amen. Uh, but it, it does break my heart to see that. It, it just uh, it bothers me for them because I know they can't be successful until they learn how to be obedient to the Lord. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for being good to us. And, Father, we choose as an act of our will to do the hard things. Father, if you tell us to, to stay and it's hard, Father, we'll stay. Uh, Father, if you tell us to go and it's hard, we'll go. Uh, Father, if you tell us to speak and it's hard, we'll speak. If you tell us to be silent and it's hard, Father, we will still be silent. Father, we choose to do your will. And as we do that, Father, with humility... We know that you will always exalt us as a fruit of our obedience to you. And you desire to exalt your children, Father. It is not that you're trying to withhold anything from us. You desire good things for us. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Uh, do you all want to go see the church? I guess you're already here, right? So here it is, right? Um, you all like the wood? That turned out pretty good, I think, so... Um, so there'll be that wood there, and we're going to put that same wood on different parts. You can see on the, on the walls over there where the blue squares are, that's where the, the TVs are going to go. And then on both sides of that, there's going to be the wood up, up and down the wall there. So uh, and I think we're probably going to move those blue squares down about six inches or so. Uh, we've got Jared, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's like this tall, so he's, we can't be taller, we can't be shorter than Jared, so. All right, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And um, so we'll be back here Sunday, right? And um, we're working on wiring up the TVs there, and then we've got to disassemble part of the sound booth and reconfigure it, you know. And so um, we'll get her done, right? So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, and uh, Chris is still out of town. She'll be back on uh, Friday. And, um, uh, and don't forget, uh, the, the evangelistic services start Sunday p.m. Uh, down in Hickson. Um, and um, looking forward to, to, uh, to those services there. Amen. Uh, and um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I got nothing against anybody, but I'm looking for, for an evangelist that will fit here, right, that will be a good fit for us, uh, because uh, are we all breathing air? Then we're all qualified to evangelize, right, and so uh, that's the only, about the only qualification you need, right, uh, that and a pulse, right, I mean, uh, and so, all right, praise God, well, you have, have a wonderful week, be blessed, we'll see you on Sunday.